Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. We're back. The goal is always to be better than ever. This week, we're interviewing the WVU golf coach, for the men, that is, Mr. Sean Kovich. We're also going to talk about sleeping positions. How many pillows do you need sitting upright on your side, on your back? How do you do it? Hot, cold, what's your preference? Everybody's got one. Let us know what yours is. We're going to tell you what we think. We talk about how long we're going to be Memphis Grizzly fans. That's the question. Right now, everybody's all in on number three, Javon Carter. But how long will it last? And most importantly, the theme of our show, know your Mountaineers. We're going to talk about the Mountaineers at the quarterback position and at the wide receiver position. Their numbers, who they are, who they are, what they do. Get ready. Buckle up. Time to ride. This is Sean Kovich, head men's golf coach at West Virginia University. You're listening to the Raspy Voice Kids. Once again, you're joining the Hail West Virginia podcast. I am Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt. I'm joined by Mr. Sean Kovich, the head golf coach for the WVU men's golf team. And uh, he's so gracious because he is currently on the road, making his way, doing the things that need to be done to make the golf team run. But he carved out a few minutes to talk to us. Mr. Kovich, thank you for joining us. Hey, um, glad to glad to be on here. Glad somebody wants to talk to me. I mean, even my wife won't call me, so this is good. <laughs> I'm glad you guys gave me a call. Hey, man, I, you know, you got to show who wears the pants in the family. That's what you got to do, right? Is that how marriage works? Yeah, I guess. Um, <laughs> but, no, I'm, I'm glad you guys uh, want, want to talk to me, so hopefully I can, um, you know, answer some questions and look forward to chatting with you guys. Well, we followed what, what you do. You know, we followed you on social media. We pay attention. We've seen the different accolades that the golf team has accomplished. Is it hard for you, though, being the coach of a team that is not actually a sport? Well, what do you, what do you mean by that? <laughs> I'm just teasing you. That's just a, I always try to have a joke question. That's just a joke. There are a lot of people who don't view golf as a sport. I am not one of those people. Not at all. And well, I'm, I mean that I could see that. I mean, it depends on your, you know, experience in golf. If it's just, you know, playing a five-man scramble every, you know, once every two years, and you got the iPod going and a, and a cooler ice down full of, you know, beverages. Yeah, then, beverages. Yeah, that's really that's not really a sport. But when you have to, like our guys, have to carry their own bag uh, for thirty-six holes, you know. Yeah play your own ball, then that is definitely a sport. So it, it depends on, you know, your experience with golf. So now you're talking about how your guys are playing this game as a sport, as we just discussed, 36 holes, carrying the, their own bag, on top of the core, you, you know, obviously it involves your core strength. There's all kinds of stability. The, the um, pressure you're putting on your knees and your lower back, when you, especially driving, 
the question it, for me really is, do you guys do anything in particular to make sure your guys are in shape or are prepared for the kind of strain they're going to put on their body? Like, do you have a nutritionist, a dietitian? Do you use advanced metrics, yeah. st- uh, statisticians, anything like that? Well, I mean, the, the first thing is, you know, you, the most important uh, piece of equipment is your body because if your body's not feeling right, if you're not, you know, in the best shape, if you're, you know, wrist and, you know, those things start nagging you, then you can't play. So that's the most important thing. Uh, so we do, we do work out three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 6 a.m., uh, we also have a you know a, a trainer as far as if we have any injuries or need some extra stretching, we do uh, yoga uh, once a week as well to make sure our flexibility, you know, we're in good shape there. Because um, you don't necessarily have to just lift a bunch of weights if you want to hit it far. You got to be flexible. You got to be fast. It's kind of a uh, you know creating speed uh, through rotation. So it's a lot like uh, it's a lot like a pitcher or a soccer player or a kicker. Uh, you know, your rotation is where you get your power. Um, so we make sure we do do that stuff. And uh, so it's not necessarily just getting in the weight room per se, but it's it's just working hard on, you know, might be box jumps, might be medicine ball slams, uh, of course, run, running and all kind of things just to make sure we're in good shape. Now, is, is nutrition a part of that as well? It should be. <clears throat> I mean, most of our guys eat pretty healthy. Uh, and that's one thing that we've done a better job of last, uh, I would say, the last year and a half. Um, and even starting with me as a coaching staff, like I've started to eat better and feel better, and that kind of trickles down to our guys. Uh, so, you know, like I said, the our guys have done a better job, and we do have a, a dietitian or nutritionist uh, nice. on staff that helps us. So really, I mean, you don't want to eat a hamburger, you know, while you're out there playing, obviously, and it's, uh, our, our sport's really an endurance sport because you you wake up at usually 5.30, 5.45 in the morning. You have breakfast at 6. You get to the golf course 6.30 or 7. You're on the range at 7.30. Uh, then you tee off at 8. And then from 8 o'clock until most of the time dark, so say 5.30 or 6, you're you're carrying a you know 50-pound bag over you know an 8-mile golf course. You're walking up and down hills. You're you know hitting golf balls all day. So it's really it's almost like hiking and you know in a sport as well. So you gotta you gotta be smart about you know what you eat and what you drink throughout the day. And so we like our guys to eat healthy and and just make sure they're snacking. You know every three holes, just have you know some fruit um, or a light snack and uh, just make sure they're in they're in uh, good shape. So you've talked about the physical aspect of it. What do you do mentally? Do you have sports psychologists that work with your golfers? Uh, we don't. Uh, kind of big picture. I mean, most of these guys that we recruit uh, already have, you know, their team assembled. I mean, nobody just shows up on campus and we recruited. And they're like, yeah, I've never had a coach. I've never had an instructor. I just, you know, see ball, hit ball. Like, they, you know, they There's no happy Gilmore's have, there. There's no happy Gilmore's that I found. I mean, I'd love to find one, but <laughs> yeah, I haven't found one yeah. yet. But, you know, most of them have a swing instructor. They've got a mental coach. They may even have, you know, somebody that they that works them out. So they, they sort of come prepackaged with, with some individual coaching. And so a lot of our guys already have mental coaches that they, that they work with. Uh, we do have somebody on staff at WVU that they could work with okay. if they want to. Um, but it's, it's really up to the kid because, 
golf's such an individual sport that, yeah, uh, working with a mental coach may actually help one or two of the guys. But if you force that on them, it, it actually may hurt them. Um, and so some guys work better uh, not having, you know, to think about the mental game. They just go out there, they're relaxed, um, and they have fun. They love competing. And then some guys, they get anxious. Uh, when the tournament comes, they, they get nervous and they lock up. So having a mental coach may help them. So it's kind of it's personalized. So we offer it, but we don't mandate it. That makes sense. I mean, that's the whole point. You, you do what your players need. That's the sign of a good coach, right? Uh, I hope so. Yeah, especially our sport. Everybody's so individual that you just got to figure out work, what works best for the individual, and that'll that'll make the team better. Well, you, and you keep talking about how golf is an individual sport, and and we understand that. I mean, it obviously is. It's you against you, essentially, right? That said, right, yeah. What makes your captain the captain, since it is an individual sport? Uh, you talking about for our, on our team, like yeah, our team for captain you, for your team yeah. captain. I would say more it's about work ethic and, you know, it's just mentality every day. So it's just somebody that, you know, is never going to give up on the golf course. Uh, It doesn't necessarily have to be your best player, although it helps if that's the case. But it's just really a leader, you know, a guy that's going to rally the guys. He's not afraid to challenge, you know, the guys when they're not living up to our program standards. Um, And then it's just a guy that that embodies the, the characteristics that you want. Uh, whether he averages two under or two over, that doesn't really matter. It's just a guy that's going to be a leader that you can say, hey, why don't you tell the guys this, and he'll he'll tell them, make sure they do it. Um, and so that's really what makes a captain in our sport, uh, just somebody that, that can be a leader on and off the golf course. Lead by an example, essentially. Yeah, work ethic and attitude and, you know, just somebody that you want to uh, kind of mold, have have that same – uh, sort of personality throughout the whole team. So now the next, the next thing I want to ask you is how do you practice? And I'm going to preface this by saying Mike Herrera, who, like I said, he's a, he's a golf instructor uh, and a basketball coach. He does a lot of things out in Maribel, Spain. He went to WVU. He was there before there was actually a team because of title nine. Um, but one of the things he taught me was that 40% of your score is putts. So what percentage of practice time do you spend on putting? Well, again, I, I think it goes back to individual because some guys, the, what they need to work on, and it changes throughout the year. You know, golf, every day is different. I think that's why people love it. You know, it's not like you get a lesson one time and you pick up one swing tip and you stay with that the rest of your life. I mean, it's you're, you're, you're constantly sort of working on different things and tweaking things. So it depends. Uh, some guys might not even need to practice putting going into the – the tournament because they need to focus on, you know, their wedges or their driver, their irons. Um, and so it's really about assessing where, where that player is, uh, where his game is and what, what he needs to work on to give him confidence to play his best in the next tournament. So we don't really have a, a set, you know, cookie cutter schedule say, okay, you have to, this is how we do it. You're going to spend 40 minutes putting 20 minutes, this doing that. We just kind of work with the guys. We keep a we do a good job keeping up with their stats throughout the week, uh, in qualifying and in the tournament, and have a good idea of what they need to work on. Um, and that's that's really what it comes down to. You just want to you want to make sure the player is doing what he needs to do, uh, as opposed to forcing the whole team 
uh, to do the same thing because they, they might just be wasting their time and actually getting worse at that point. See, I, I love that because when I look at other sports that may be more popular as far as team sports are concerned, um, one of the things that frustrates me is when a, when a coach will say, well, this player doesn't fit our system, especially in football, because my first thought is your job as a coach is to figure out how to scheme to make that person as successful as possible, right? And essentially what you're saying right. is you coach to their strengths or their weaknesses. You find what they need, and then you give that to them, or you allow them to do that. Right, and it's uh, like I said, it's going to change throughout the course of the year. So a kid may come in, you know, just struggling with the driver, and that may be the case for the first month or two, you know, maybe the first two or three tournaments, but then something clicks for him, and now, you know, driver becomes his best club in his bag, um, and then he kind of shifts his focus to something else. Uh, might be irons, might be wedges, might be putting. And so you just kind of have to keep a pulse on where every player is and wh- what they need to work on that particular week. Um, because the the worst thing you do is just make a make a kid do something to do it, and it's not not what they need to do, and they're just sort of wasting time. They may actually get worse, you know, because oh yeah, they're they're doing something they don't really need to work on, and they're not buying into you as a coach. So I I try to put the player first, and you know, you know, really put it in his hands. Like, hey, what what do you feel like you need to work on? And I've got the stats that sort of tell yeah. the story. So if there is, if they're way off base, then we'll just show them the numbers. <laughs> but if they're, if they're right on target, then we just let them run with it. And, you know, hopefully uh, they get better. What do they say? Numbers don't lie, right? That's right. Now, you know, that you're, uh, you were talking about your players buying in. They obviously have bought in, not just on the golf course, but academically, you've had a lot of success with the GCAA um, accomplishments that you guys have had with your GPAs. Um, is that something that you guys focus on, or is that something that you find that the type of player you recruit is already inclined to be focused in the classroom and be serious about um, their academic work? Well, first of all, that, that award, I mean, that's, that's uh, the last two years, I think we got the academic all-academic team award, so we've, by the GCA Golf Coach Association, because the whole team has done, you know, collectively done a great job. And then we've had two academic All-Americans. Yeah. And all of that goes to to Stephanie White, who's our academic advisor. I mean, she does a great job. Since she came on board, we've really taken off because she's, she's just great and making sure our guys are going to study hall, make sure they're working with their tutors and they're prioritizing <laughs> their academics. Um, so that's all her and the players. So they – the players have done it. They've worked hard. They've taken pride in that. And as a coach, I couldn't be happier because that's the most important thing is that the guys, you know, make sure they go into class, they're going to graduate on time, and they achieve success in the classroom. Um, and then, you know, we did the first year we had a team. So this is we're going to – we just finished our third season. So the first year we were we were bad on the golf course and we were bad in the classroom. And then the second year, we got a little bit better in classroom. We got a little bit better on golf course. Then last year, we had you know our best year academically and our best year on the golf course. So I think they go hand in hand because if you can't uh, be committed to your academics, you can't organize and you know make that a priority, it's going to be hard to be organized and committed on the golf course. So I think they go hand in hand because when you go tee it up you know, at Big 12 Championship and you're worried about if you're going to pass 
or fail this exam, you're, you're, you know, that's in the back of your mind as you're playing as opposed to, hey, I've done the work, I've studied, I know I'm going to ace that thing, now I can just focus on golf. And I think that's where we are now as a program. And, again, it goes back to our academic staff. Uh, they do a great job. And so the better we are in the classroom, the better we're going to be on the golf course. Which, again, is, is a big deal because, like you mentioned with the Big 12, the Big 12 is a legitimate golf conference. I mean, this, there's no slouches there. Like that's, it's, it's a legitimate conference that's got a lot of players on the tour right now. Am I right? Oh, yeah. I mean, you look at George Spieth, yeah. uh, Ricky Fowler, uh, Jimmy Walker, who won a PGA Championship a few years ago, Gary Woodland, who's won on PGA Tour. I mean, and the, just the history that schools like Oklahoma, who won a national championship two years ago, Oklahoma State, who won a national championship this year, Texas, who's won multiple national championships. Uh, I mean, it's the best conference in college golf as far as winning national championships and producing PGA Tour players and PGA Tour winners and major championship winners. Uh, so that's a big recruiting tool for us. It's also a huge challenge because that's our competition every year. Um, but it's, it's just an honor to be in that conference. And when you show up at the big 12 championship, you're playing against basically all the top 25 teams in the country in one tournament. Creme de la creme. Um, and you, yeah. And if you can win the big 12, you can win the national championship. So, uh, it's, it's great. It, it is a big challenge, but also if you're going to play, you might as well play against the best. And that's what our guys, they have that opportunity to do that. Yeah, that's my motto. I, you know, to be the man, you got to beat the man, right? That's that, right. That you, said, you get that chance. Now, that said, you're, so you're a golf coach, and there are very few, if any, campuses where golf is the dominant sport, right? Where it is the thing. Do you like the fact that your team is under the radar? It's not what people focus on. Your players are not celebrities. Or do you, would you prefer it that they got more attention, they got more credit for the work that they put in and for the success that they have? Well, I always joke around with, with uh, say, Dana or, or Coach Huggins or, you know, that uh, I'm glad 65,000 people aren't watching us you know, hit, a ball, hit a ball in the water or hit a ball out of bounds or three-putt because guess what? They'll say, why did Coach tell him to hit it there? I'm like, well, I didn't, but that's just where he ended up hitting it. So – you know, it's kind of funny that I, I think coaches get too much credit when the team wins, and they probably get too much, you know, uh, negativity when the team loses. Um, and really, you know, whether we fall on the radar or not, I mean, for me, if if we get an exposure or don't, uh, it's really about the opportunity to be a coach, yeah. the opportunity to go out and evaluate and recruit and build a relationship and get a kid to buy into your university and to your team and to your program and then come play for you and to have the ups and downs, the, the hardships, but the but also the victories and then walk away with a degree and then, you know, always call you coach the rest of his life. I mean, that's, to me, that's what it's all about. Now, whether anybody notices that or, you know, a hundred people come to our tournament or nobody comes to our tournament. Like I, I don't really care. It's just that opportunity to uh, be a coach is just, I mean, it's unreal. I mean, the, the best title I ever have is dad, which I'm lucky enough to have a six year old son mm-hmm. calls me dad. And the second best is, is coach. I mean, so, uh, you know, I'm honestly, I'm kind of glad six, like, like I said, 65,000 people don't watch us, uh, you know, make a double bogey and lose a tournament. Cause then, 
they might be calling for my job the next week. But uh, there might be signs you know, in your I, yard. Yeah, exactly. But um, of course, I wouldn't mind getting hugs or Dana's uh, check just one year. That'd be nice. Wait, the com- the compen- check, the compensation's different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so you you mentioned I miss, I missed a few zeros. <laughs> you mentioned Dana. You mentioned Hugs. Those Hugs for sure is a he's a West Virginia legend. He doesn't have to do anything else ever again, and he will go down probably on the Mount Rushmore of West Virginia sports, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And Dana, Dana is has done tremendous things for WVU. He's not reached the the heights that that the fans want quite yet. There's a good chance mm-hmm. we're going to get there this year. All of that said, it's cu- I'm curious about this. So at a university, is there a fraternity, or I guess you couldn't call it just a fraternity when you talk about head coaches, like with Nikki Izzo-Brown, Mike Carey, Dana uh, Holgerson, Bobby Huggins. Um, do you guys have – is there like a group chat? Like is there any sort of like special camaraderie that you have because you guys are experiencing the same sort of things, dealing with fans or dealing with boosters, dealing with um, athletic director – uh, Shane Lyons, who's also from Parkersburg, like the Rats Voice Kids. Is there any sort of, like, do you guys have any sort of special bond or special relationship? Like, you guys meet up for ice cream on Sundays. What's that like? Uh, yeah, I, you know, West Virginia, I, I was at Mississippi State before coming to WVU. And I, I Wait, tell you're, not, you you're not a land shark? I thought you guys were on the other side of the Egg Bowl. No, no, Mississippi State <laughs> Bulldog. Not, not uh, the, you got the cowbell. You got the I'm just teasing. Yeah. I know, I know. So, but uh, I've been starting my fifth year, you know, here, and the coaching staff and the athletic department here, uh, to me, is just like it's it's a one big family, and uh, you know, it's it's been special, it's been awesome, and I think being on the road during, say, the coaches caravan with with mm-hmm. the the Mountaineer Athletic Club, and then also alumni functions and donor functions, uh, during the summer is when we get to hang out a little bit. And luckily for me, a lot of the donor events and the Mac events somehow revolve around playing golf. I mean, there's always like a scramble or we're going to go out play, you know, before we meet with this donor or whatever it is. And so I've been fortunate enough to to play golf with a lot of the coaches. I mean, soccer coaches and, you know, tennis coaches. And then Dana likes to play and hugs might not play as much now, but he (laughs) loves right around in a cart and harassing you, you know, while you play. Sounds right. So, yeah, and he's really good at that. He's really good. Um, and so that's where I get to hang out with them, and they've really uh, welcomed me with open arms. It's been awesome. And I, But i got to say, I'm at an advantage because I'm a golf coach. I play golf. And so I think during the summer we just end up, you know, playing golf or being around golf. So uh, I've been fortunate enough um, to, to hang out with them. So I really – I really – Enjoy those guys. I'm not in the uh, group chat. There might be a group chat. I don't know, but <laughs> every now and then, every now and then, they'll send me a text. So, but it's no, it's been good to get to know uh, Bob and Dana and Mike and Marlon and Nikki and uh, everybody on staff. Who's the best golfer out of all of them? Uh, I mean, if we're taking me out of the equation, yeah, um, taking you out of the equation, obviously. <laughs> it's like when I ask I would, when I it's like when I ask who's the best looking raspy voice kid, I always take myself out of the equation. I don't think that's right, fair. Right? right. So you know, football staff, actually Tony Gibson's pretty good. Tony Gibson's uh really good. Ryan Dorchester's pretty good. Uh, but as far as like the head coaches, I mean I I don't I don't know that we have a, a really great 
you know, a really good golfer. Um, <laughs> Nick, all I say, all I tell you is, if Nikki Izzo Brown has a scorecard, she's going to find a way to win. I'm not saying she's the best one, but she's going to find a way to win. Uh, so that, that sounds right. I'll, sounds... Just, I'll just leave it at that. No, no, I understand. I look, I'm picking up what you're putting down. I get it. Look, Nikki Izzo Brown is a winner. And yep, I mean, she's yep, just a winner. Yep. She and she finds a way to win. It's one of our favorite things about her. And maybe one day we'll have her on the show, but um, we appreciate having you on. We really do. This has been great. This has been great. It's been great insight, um, and it's been it's been good to give you a platform to tell people about a program at WVU that really is on the rise. It's doing big things academically and athletically, and we wish you nothing but the best, Coach. Hey, well, I appreciate it. I'm like I said, I'm on the road to Louisville right now, trying to talk a, a kid into coming to Morgantown, um, but. Yeah, we're excited. We got uh, you know some commitments coming in for nineteen, and uh, and then I think this is going to be our best year coming up. And also want to make sure everybody knows we we got a home tournament in October at Pete Dye Golf Club. It's called the Health Plan Mountaineer Invitational. Got fifteen teams from across the country coming in to play Pete Dye. And then of course in April of two thousand nineteen, we're hosting the Big Twelve Championship at the Greenbrier nice. uh, on Old White. Uh, so hopefully, you know, if you love golf, maybe you can sneak down to Bridgeport and watch us in October or in April, come down to Greenbrier and support us uh, uh, in the best conference in college golf. If you love golf, if you love the Mountaineers, it's a place to be. I do want to ask you one last question. I forgot. Do you guys, so you're talking about recruiting. So you're on your way to Louisville. You're trying to get a kid to come. I know twice at Mississippi State, you were able to get the number one Juco player in the country. Do you guys recruit, do you recruit talent from overseas? Yes, uh, we've got uh, two overseas players, uh, technically. Uh, we've got a kid from Germany and then a kid from Australia. And then we also have, they're not from overseas, uh, but they are from a, another country up in Canada. Um, one of our players from Ontario and then the other players from uh, Quebec. And, you know, the, actually the, the player from Ontario, uh, Max Sear, he just qualified for the second time. He qualified for the United States Amateur Championship. Nice. So in, in a few weeks, he's going out to Pebble Beach uh, to play for the U.S. Amateur. Um, and he's he was the first recruit we, we ever signed. Um, and so he'll, he'll be the first senior, you know, to play all four years, him and Tristan Nichols, uh, who's from Australia. Those two young men were part of the – they committed to us when we didn't have a team. You know, we I was – they tried to look us up online. I was like, look, we're not there yet. I promise you, if you'll just sign this paper, we'll have a team when you get here. Uh, they believe me, and uh, so I'm really, I'm really proud of, of those two guys. Uh, but, yeah, we, we, do, uh, we do recruit. Uh, I just say we try to get the best golfers in the world. I don't, you know, uh, it doesn't matter if they're from, you know, Parkersburg or Ontario or Germany or Beckley. You know, it's just, hey, if – you're going to help us win, then we want you on the team. We love it. Um, like I said, that guy Mike Herrera, WVU alum out in Marabella, Spain, he wanted me to check in on that because he might have some guys for you. You might want to check right. out. He hosts a radio show out there, too. You might want to check him out. Uh, make sure Alan Cook knows that we're supporting him. We're Jackson Generals. We're, we're Parkersburg High School Big Reds, and uh, we're Mountaineers at heart. So we love everything he's doing, and he's been successful. So we love that. And, again, we wish you nothing but the best, and hopefully this won't be the last time we talk to you. 
Yeah, give give me a call anytime. Like I said, my wife doesn't call anymore, so you know, you guys, <laughs> I, I got plenty of time. You guys just give me a call, whatever. All right, thank you, Coach Kovich. Thank you so much for joining the Rasky Voice Kids. Astor Auto of Charleston is West Virginia's premier automotive luxury dealer. We sell Land Rover, Jaguar, Mercedes Benz, Volvo, and Audi brands. We also have a wide variety of pre-owned luxury cars at our store on Corridor G. Our service department also goes the extra mile and aims to exceed your expectations. We offer free pickup and delivery on service appointments to make your life easier. Come experience a new level of service. Astorgado of Charleston, a tradition of automotive excellence. Learn more at astorgado.com. It is Jay and Fiend Jeremy. I'm here with my brother, Brandon Phoenix. And we're going to talk about something, um, I don't say something that we all think about, but it, it, it's what we do. It's a sleeping arrangement. How do you sleep? What makes you comfortable? When you're going to bed, what do you need? The thing is, when I was younger, it was very, I mean, like when we're all younger, it's, it's easy. You know, bed, well, couch. First, first, real quick, can we acknowledge the little preciousness that is sitting on my lap? My little daughter, uh-huh. Layla, she just wanted to be part of the show. Normally, she's, you know, upstairs in the, in the what are we going to call it, George? We're going to call it the daycare. The daycare center, <laughs> the yeah. daycare center while I'm down here in the <laughs> studio. But she wanted to be part of the show, so she's in the show. So while Jeremy's letting y'all know how he likes to sleep, Layla's going to be joining us. Just FYI. Real talk. And here's the thing. If you're Layla, you can sleep on the floor. You can sleep on the couch. It, it doesn't matter. matter. I can sleep whenever. I was like, oh, don't, don't matter. Just give me a pillow. Not anymore. The older I get, the more I like my bed. And I like to sleep in the comforts that I like to sleep. So the question is, how do you like to sleep? What are your preferences? What's your likes? What's your dislikes? Brandon, what do you need to go to sleep and be comfortable and feel, you know, just feel at home? Well, I'm the same way. Like, the older I get, the more I got to be home. Like, some people, like, when I was young, I could stay anywhere. I could stay anywhere. If I was out, I, you know, somebody says, hey, you can crash at my place. I would crash at their place. I didn't care. I could sleep anywhere. Now, I will drive. I could be up for 48 hours. I'm going to drive six hours home to get to my spot. I just got to be in my spot. I need my comfort zone. Hey, keep talking. Excuse me, my. Uh, <laughs> I see it. Keep talking. Keep but talking. I, but I just, I just need to be comfortable. I got to be in my spot, um, and I also need to be cool. Like when I was young, I was always like very interested in being warm, um, and now I need to be cool. I, I'm not a fan person though. Some people need the fan on for the sound. Some people need the sand, uh, the fan on for the breeze. I'm not a fan person. Uh, You're not I, a fan of the fan. I'm not a fan of the fan. Uh, that's our producer Jordan Ty Curry. Yo. But, you know, that's just me. The other thing is, I don't care how hot it is, which is part of why I need to be cool. I don't care how hot it is outside or in the room. I think, Layla, are you done? You're just going to stand there? I need, personally, to have a blanket on. Not not a sheet. Not a quilt. (laughs) I need a straight blanket. No matter what's going on, I need a blanket. That's just me. Um, and I also, I'm a no sock sleeper. I can't sleep in no socks. Some people like to sleep in socks. I'm a no socks sleeper. No, I, I kick them off when I'm about to go to sleep. Yeah, no socks. I don't care. It always, no, no, it always sounds like a good idea. You put the socks on, you're like, oh, these are comfortable. And like, you know, five minutes to I'm like, all right, I got I got to get them off. So I feel you. Yeah. Like, so that's me. I know you're a fan guy though, aren't you? Oh, I'm definitely a fan guy. Like, I don't He's care what the, the temperature fan. I don't care what the temperature is. I need a fan. Maybe it's the background. It's probably the background noise. Um, I'm also a person who requires a lot of pillows. I've, I've realized that about myself. He's I need a four, one. He, he's a he's a 27-year-old uh, woman, so. Now, look, look, call me what you feel. <laughs> call me anything but uncomfortable, okay? <laughs> one under my head, one between my knees, one in my arms, one over my head, 
And if I decide to flip over, I need one on the other side just ready to go. That's what I need. Now, the problem is you go to certain houses, and I'm not hating on those, and they can't meet my pillow requirement. But Most places can't. I have a solution for you. This is what people don't think about. Now, here's one thing. like If I get to a place and I don't have enough pillows, usually I'll have a backpack with me. A backpack can be used as some kind of pillow, whether you need it in your arms, uh, in between your knees. Jordan, it really this can. is getting weird. Yeah, Jordan and I are on the same page. I, a backpack can be a pillow? Honestly, I thought you were about to say a body pillow. Yeah, I thought you were going to be like, you pack your own pillows. But you use a backpack as a pillow? In extreme situations, somebody I go to somebody's house, they have one pillow for me. I need something. I need something to put in my arms. <laughs> I need something to put in my legs. Backpack's good as any. You know another thing that works? Ball up your sweatshirt. A sweatshirt can be used as a makeshift yeah, pillow. Yeah, I would go sort. for that instead of the backpack first. No, but look, look, look. Way, you, way before. I'm going, now I'm getting sleepy talking about sleeping. I, hold on. I go hold sweatshirt. You said, you said, but you said way before. A sweatshirt only, uh, can, it can't be four pillows. It can be one. You need to come with, a, with something else after that. The backpack works. Okay, maybe you me. need to come up with that, but people, real <laughs> normal people like Brandon and I don't need to do we that. We don't need 17 pillows. Okay, well, I'm just letting you know, if you have an issue, a backpack comes in real handy. Real talk. No. Jerry, I, I disagree. So what is your sleeping situation like, Jordan? I sleep on my side. That's it. How many pillows? One. And one, one that is not a memory foam pillow, but it gives my neck enough support. That way I don't wake up with a crooked neck. Do you do fan on, fan off? I don't care. Doesn't matter? No. Nope. I'm, I'm pretty Andy's easy simple. when it comes to sleeping. How old are you, Jordan? I'm 21 years old. Makes all the Bingo. difference in the world. Bang. That's oh no, no. Back then, I could do it. Now, not anymore. I need it freezing cold. I need a fan. Yes, I don't care which. Yeah, I'm needy. Yeah, okay. You are. You. <laughs> this is something I didn't know. Very high maintenance. No, Very yeah. high maintenance. But here's the thing. When I sleep. Very okay, high maintenance. If you don't. Here's my thing. I'm not. If you don't have it when I go to sleep. Most people don't. I will figure out a way to get it done. Or I'll just go home. <laughs> or I'll just go home. That to me is the key. Or I'll just go home because that's me. I don't. I don't like. I don't even like staying at my mama's house. Okay, and I love my mom. I love my dad. I just like being home. I don't like staying anywhere but my home unless I absolutely have to. Which there are times where you have to, and you can call me bougie or whatever you want. What about you, Layla? How do you like to sleep? How many pillows do you need? One. How many, Layla? Tell them. One. Layla says she needs one pillow. How many stuffed animals do you need to sleep, though, Layla? Zero. Zero? You got like 19 zero. stuffed animals you don't have me buy, and now you're going to say zero. Ain't nothing funny about that. We're going to talk about that later. Okay? <laughs> See you, big girl. But that said, that's our segment. That's our pop culture for tonight, uh, for today, for whenever you're listening to it. Sleeping situations because everybody has one. Some people are picky. Some people are high maintenance. Some people are not. Feel free to tell us what we got right, what we got wrong, and how you do it. Once again, though, this is Brandon Phoenix. I also hate Pitt, joined by Jeremy J. and Phoenix. This time, Jordan Ty Curry, our producer, and little baby, precious little Layla on the Hale West Virginia podcast. We're moving on to the next segment. Raspy Voice! This is Truck Bryant, and you're listening to Raspy Voice Kids. This is your boy, JN Fiend, Jeremy Phoenix. I'm here with Brandon Phoenix. We're here on the Hale West Virginia podcast. We're also here with Lil Layden, the nephew, the son, Brandon's son. Layden's in the picture as well. Say what's up, Layden. Tell people what's up. Hi. All right. That's hey, close. Real. It's a strong high. That's a strong high, though. You know, I appreciate it. And uh, the thing is, I-, I was thinking about it the other day. We are all, make no mistake about it, we are all on the Javon Carter 
Memphis Grizzly bandwagon. I'm a Grizzly fan. You're a Grizzly fan. We're all Grizzly fans. But it made me think, how long are we actually going to be Grizzly fans? Is this one of them things where it's uh, he goes there and as long as he's starting there, we're going to be Grizzly fans? Because here's the thing. I feel that way too. I was just wondering, like, how long does it last? We look at other players. There's, we have all kinds of players who went to the NFL. Bruce Irvin up there with the Raiders. And Carl Joseph with the Raiders. Are we Raider fans? Daryl Worley with the Raiders. Daryl Worley, the Raiders. Tavon Austin, uh, the Cowboys. Tavon Austin, Cowboys. Uh, this is Gino like, at San Diego. Does this mean that every Najee place is good? Uh, Russell Douglas, Wendell Smallwood. Are we yes. Eagles fans? We are when they win the Super Bowl. <laughs> fly Eagles fly. I don't even know that's what they say, but they I do, think that they is. do. They say fly Eagles fly. Because <laughs> you know I've always been an Eagles fan. I knew from, from day one. From day from one. Day one. You know, Randall Cunningham and them boys. What you yeah, know about that? What you know about them? Reggie White. I was like, yo, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's my question. Like in the NFL, I don't feel like it goes like that. So how long are the Grizzlies our NBA team? Well, here's my question for you. How many Mountaineers are in the NBA league? Um, to reference my cousin Malcolm, zero. Well, behind behind Javon. That's right, oh, behind no. Javon. So it's okay. a different thing. We haven't had a player play in the league since what? Devin Ebanks. Okay. And yeah, how, I think he so. was he was there for like thirty seven seconds, right? Yeah. And before that, you had Joe Alexander draft, I think number eight to the Milwaukee Bucks. And how did that go? And that's not to hate. It's just when is the last time we've been in a position where we had a player drafted that showed the kind of potential that Javon Carter has? One. I, excuse me. I mean, I, I hear that. But, like, part of me is that, – that was one thing I was going to bring up later on, which was the X Factor. Because I was also going to talk about – we look at the MLB. Are we St. Louis fans because Jed Jerko's there? Like, we, we love our Mountaineers. We support our Mountaineers. But I don't see a whole lot of people jumping on the St. Louis, repping St. Louis – Jed Jerko, like, and he, I, dude was balling out over there. Well, I think the difference, one of the big differences you have is who Javon Carter is, his okay, personality so it, type. So is, is that what makes the difference? I, I think it's part of it because I think there's more to it than just that. Honestly, Javon Carter embodies – you got to stay over here, Coach? Right here. <laughs> Javon <laughs> Carter, see, I got to do some discipline on TV. Y'all got to get to see how I parent. Javon Carter embodies what it means to be a Mountaineer, right? The hard yeah. work, the hustle, the grit – the underappreciated, the disrespected, underdog type, he is that guy. And we are that university. We are that state. And I think that we connect with that. But I don't think that's the only thing. The other thing that helps is that Javon Carter played for, with us for four years, right? And he played for Bobby Huggins in Press Virginia in a rebirth of our program. He brought it back to life. He and Daxter Miles. And I think that's another thing that gives us affection and affinity for Javon Carter. But you know what else brings us to a place where Javon Carter is the lifelong, uh, a guy that we support in a lifelong way. Well, Cynthia C.J. Johnson being so present in social media with the Mountaineers, in all of the different Facebook groups, in all of the different tailgates, in all of the different places she's embraced West Virginia as a state, as a culture, as a university. And I think that also gives us a personal attachment to Javon Carter in a way that those other players did not. Or have not. And I really think that's true. Um, so you add that. So the fact that it's very rare that we have a, a basketball player in the NBA from WVU, that um, most Mountaineer fans are not NBA fans, right? So most, see, most, see, most Mountaineer fans don't have an NBA team. So it's real easy to become a Grizzly fan. 
And you and I do have an NBA team, the Knicks, and they're garbage. So it's real easy for us to become NBA fans, right? Well, see, see, that's the thing I was talking about. And and, and that's the point that you make that I like. I mean, that I think is the strongest. Because um, I immediately thought about Joe Alexander. He was in the NBA too. I don't feel like there was this push for be let's be Milwaukee Bucks. No. Like there is to be Memphis Grizzlies. So you're talking about how long he's been here and him embodying what, uh, you know, we believe is, you know, a true Mountaineer. Not to say Joe Alexander wasn't. I'm just saying Javon Carter here for four years and we watched him work his butt off. But more important than that was the fact that, you know, the, the point you made, most people, most Mountaineers, most people from West Virginia don't necessarily have an NBA team. No, they don't. And they, they have an NFL team. They all they have, have an NFL the, team. They have a uh, baseball team usually, they, whether it's Pittsburgh or Cincinnati. Or but the Braves. The NBA, yeah, or, oh, the Braves. It's, it's, it's Pittsburgh, no, Cincinnati, or the Braves in West Virginia. And for football, it's Bengals or Steelers, typically. Um, or you get some Or Cowboys, and you get a few Browns fans, too. But for the most part, um, nobody. I mean, who are they rooting for in basketball? Nobody, right? Like, and, and that's I think those are the biggest differences, and I think that's why there's going to be longevity. I also think there's a humility in Javon Carter that people respect and appreciate. Yeah, that's true. Um, and not that Joe Alexander wasn't humble, not that Devin E. Banks wasn't humble. Um, it's just Javon J- Joe Alexander was like a freak athletically. You know, he's six foot eight. Javon Carter's six foot two. I mean, he's not the kind of guy who who is looks superhuman or acts superhuman. Or it's like we can relate to him, and we, and we just see the guy who's overcome the obstacles, the guy who was not offered any other D one scholarships, the guy who impressed Bobby Huggins of all people. Because of his work ethic. And that's Bobby Huggins' whole thing is work ethic. And I think we just all really relate and connect to that. And then he writes that article in the Players' Tribune. And if we weren't already in, you know, we're, we're further in. So I just think all of those things. But I really do think his mom's connection to the program, his mom's connection to the fans. Uh, she recently went on a tour where she went and saw these people that she'd met through her, the years uh, as a West Virginia mom, as a West Virginia fan. And I cannot tell you that I've ever seen anyone else do that. No, I mean, that's what's up. But do you really think that's the reason why all the Mountaineer Nation is so hard on this Memphis, this, this, I mean, I, I know you're saying that add, that's added into it. No, yeah, shout it's just, out to it's, CJ. That's you right. know, it's, it's, just add, it's added into it. It's not the reason. It's it's part of the reason. I think it's a, it's a big part of the reason. I feel like what I'm seeing, I've never seen a support for one player so much. No. As we're seeing for Javon with the Grizzlies, and look, don't get it twisted. I'm on the bandwagon too. Yeah, me I'm too. My, I'm buying my Grizzly hat. I'm getting my number three on the side. I just was, you know, laying in bed the other day thinking, like, how long does this last? So that's the thing. All right, so now we know, you know, why we feel that way. How long does it last? Is it, is it as long as he's a starter? As long as he's playing well? Well, the thing is, he's not a starter. Mike Conley Jr. is a starter, right? Yeah. So so I don't know how that works because he's not even the starter now. Um, I don't know how long that lasts. It's a good question. I think as long as Javon's in the league, we're going to care. Um, I th- Yeah, I, I don't know. Javon Carter, there are people who try to argue that he's the greatest Mountaineer of all time, and if he's not, that he's you know on the Mount Rushmore. Um, that, to me, that's a tough argument. He's close, and I, I don't disagree with you or necessarily agree with you. I can see it either way. I really can because he's a great, great, great player. Uh, but we've had great players. Um, so I, I really don't know. It's, a, it's an interesting question. That's why I'm glad we're talking about it because um, 
I don't feel like he's ever come up before. I, don't, I, I feel like we've never had to think about it before. And it's one of these questions. We'll see when it happens. We'll see and when it happens. You're I right. think the most important thing is it's just you know another reason to be excited for the NBA season. If you're not excited for it, um, I guarantee you all Mountaineer Nation is going to be excited for it. People are making their plans and making it down to Memphis to watch a game, to support J.C., and uh, we as RVK, the Raspy Voice Kids, we're on, we're on the bandwagon too. Always. Once a Mountaineer, always a Mountaineer. Raspy Voice! In West Virginia. Thank you for watching the Hail West Virginia podcast with the Raspy Voice Kids. We want to thank Shrinkables for their partnership and their support. We want to thank Sandwich U, the king of the fat sandwich, located on 461 High Street in Morgantown. We also would like to thank Swill Dog, the makers of the finest hard cider in all of the world. And once again, as always, we thank Astorg Auto of Charleston for being who they are to us, but also to the great state of West Virginia. Thank you. Once again, on this third segment, it is JN Fiend, Jeremy Phoenix. I'm here with Brandon Phoenix. Uh, his name is I Also Hate Pit, but you already know that. And we're talking about something today, right now, that's called Know Your Mountaineers. Now, what's that mean? How many times have you been at the stadium, early games, Somebody runs onto the field or makes a play, and you're thinking, oh, oh my goodness, who is that? You turn to the guy next to you. Hey, who was number whatever the number is who just made that play? Now you're searching. Now you're looking on your phone. Now you have the program like, who is this guy? And it's frustrating and it's irritating. So what we're going to do here as Raspy Voice Kids on this Hail West Virginia podcast, we're going to educate you so you can know your Mountaineers. And we're starting with the quarterbacks and receivers. So when you see the number, you'll know who it is. You don't have to flip through your program. You'll be like, oh, yeah, that's my dude. Oh, yeah, that's my recruit. Because that's what happens. These recruits, we've heard about them for a long time. But in the early games, the first time we've ever seen them actually play for a lot of us. Or maybe they played last year, and this year they decided to switch a number up. Like it was an NCAA football game. They felt like they got a little more fresh, a different number, a different year. But it's important for us to know who we're looking at and know who we're supporting. So we're going to start with the quarterbacks, Brandon. We're going to start. Go ahead. We'll start with Mountain Greer. Willie G, number seven. The Heisman candidate. Greer for Heisman. The campaign has been launched. If you don't know him, then you're not a Mountaineer fan. That's the bottom line. Number seven. Like, I feel like we shouldn't even, we should just skip this one because everybody knows who Mountain Greer is. But he is number seven. This dude had an amazing year last year. Not an amazing year, but, you know, before he went down. No, it was an amazing year. It really was. I mean, he threw for 3,400 yards. I mean, the guy, the guy really, really had a great year. We're used to it because of the numbers that people put up in Dana's offense. But for the average quarterback, he had a great year. But, th- but think about it. When he went down, he had 3,400 yards. Th- actually, th- th- uh, 3,490 was the actual number. And he was third nationally at the time. Before he went down, he threw 34 touchdowns. At the time, that was second in the country. So this dude was balling out. We know his potential. We know how special he is. We know that he went seven and three. And granted, you know, when he when he got hurt, you know, we ended up seven and six. But obviously for this year, there's there's a lot of up. There's a, there's a lot of bright side. You know, he broke his finger. You listen to the coach. That doesn't seem to be the problem. They're pumping up for Heisman. You listen to um, Hogerson talk. He looks good throwing the ball during camp. So. We have every reason to be as excited as we are, and people are hyping him up, and people are talking about him all over the place. Yeah. And yeah, he's worth the hype, though. Vegas is, ESPN is, Fox Sports, Joel Klatt. Um, you know, 
it's not like we're just being homers. It's not like we're just being excited. The nation has taken notice of who and what Will Greer is. And it's a credit not just to Will, but also to Jake Spavital, also to Dana Holgerson. So the talent combined with the scheme and also our receivers means that they believe in throw it up you. And we believe in throw it up you as well. Which so brings what do you us- expect? I mean, no, no, no. But real quick, what do you really expect from him this year? He's going you know to throw. He's gonna, I can't imagine him throwing for less than 4,000 yards because he threw for 3,400 and he missed three games or, you know, almost three games, right? So yeah. he's going to throw for 4,000 yards. He's going to throw 40 touchdowns. Um, and all of this, of course, is if he's healthy. I personally think as we get to the receivers, I don't think David Sills is going to have the year that he had last year. I don't think Gary Jennings is going to have the year that he had last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll get and we'll get to we'll the get receivers. to that. But we'll I, get but to the receivers. We'll get to that. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But I, I think I think Will, the thing that I think Will will improve on, um, is that I think he'll be more efficient. I think he's going to take the first down on third and six, instead of trying to get a touchdown on third and six. Do you think? Now here's a real question: Are we going to see him in New York? Yeah, I think Heisen I think so. Ceremony. I think I think we're going to see our first Mountaineer. Um, for a Heisman ceremony, um, I really do. And now you're saying just like being there for the ceremony means you make the top three or four. Are, are you I, saying I think, you think, he's gonna be, I think, I think there's no question he'll be top three, and okay. I think he's got a real good shot at winning it because people say that you can't win it unless we win. But Lamar Jackson did it, you know, with three or four losses, wasn't it? Did they go nine and three? Was it? But but you know what I said about that. That year, the big boys, the big college teams, you know, the first, you know, top three teams didn't have a player who was balling out of control. But Lamar Jackson didn't have the hype that Will Greer has been getting. This is true. And I I think that's a significant difference. I also think that that Will Greer is known throughout college football because of his family. I mean, his father as a coach who is connected, um, his brothers being megastars, which makes a difference. People know him and they know his story, and his story is a comeback story regardless of how you feel about it. I think all of those things come to play on top of his actual legitimate talent, on top of the numbers that he put up last year and that he'll put up this year, on top of the fact that we have a good shot at being a really good football team. I think Will Greer will be a finalist, at least. I, I agree wholeheartedly, and if he doesn't, I mean, call it what you feel. You know, you got you, Mountaineer, feel expect too much, whatever. I expect him to be sitting in a suit in New York, you know, fingers crossed, watching the Heisman ceremony from from um, from the first row with Dana with Dana and Chad and Gene right there with him. Absolutely. So that's number seven. Remember that number seven. I we don't need to say this. Number seven, Will Greer. Remember that seven. <laughs> <laughs> on to the backups. Last year we had Chugs. Chugs has moved, since moved on. Now we have number seventeen. Once again, let's flash that. Number 17, Jack Allison, yeah. the transfer from Miami, the 6'6 man, strong arm. Um, he comes in. You know, he, he was a four-star recruit out of high school. Uh, uh, how am I forgetting the name? Um, offense coordinator, Spav. Spav was talking about him, talking about how he had a strong arm, how he looks good. Um, he still needs to be a little bit more polished. But let's say the unfortunate happens. Let's say the unfortunate happens to Will Greer. When you see that number 17 run onto the field, you're looking at Jack Allison. Yeah, you're, you're not just looking at Jack Allison. You're looking at Jack Allison, last year's scout team MVP. Now, you might say, what difference does that make? He was a scout team MVP, big deal, offensively. Well, who was the scout team MVP before him, Jeremy? Uh, good Will one, Greer. Huh? Will Greer. 
Will okay. Greer was a scout team MVP. It translates onto the field because the coaches see what they want to see out of a player who has the potential. Jack Allison has the frame, he has the talent to lead an offense the way we want an offense led. Chris Chuganoff was a hard worker. He had a lot of there were a lot of good things about him. He knew the system, but he did not have the the tools that Jack Allison has. If if Will goes down again, I don't believe we're in trouble. People will tell you that Jack Allison hasn't seen any significant playing time, but he knows the offense, and our offense is built for success from the quarterback position. It made a guy like Skyler, who was not recruited out of high school to any Division I programs, into the second all-time touchdown uh, thrower. <laughs> that was a very eloquently stated sentence on my part. <laughs> but in the history of West Virginia football, and then you get this guy, six foot six, prototypical quarterback, and Jack Allison, who spent a year in the system with scout team MVP. He looks the look. He really does. We don't have anything to worry about if he comes in. I'm not telling you telling you he's Will Greer. He's not. So, um, but but I but we're in good hands with 17 steps on the field. So if number seven Will Greer goes down, then you could see number 17 Jack Allison, the Miami transfer, or you could see number 10. Flash that number 10, Trey Lowe. The freshman, the freshman phenom. People are talking about Trey Lowe. Trey Lowe can scramble. He can throw. We know all kinds of teams were recruiting him. He's in Morgantown now, and Spav said there's no clear-cut number two. So it may be number 17, Jack Allison, but it also could be a more more versatile uh, Trey Lowe who comes in. What you know about Trey, Trey Lowe? Trey Lowe is a six foot two, 212-pound kid who is a dual-threat type quarterback. Not saying that's what he's a go-to, but that's what he can do. The other thing that I really like about Trello personally is he's a two-sport athlete. He's a baseball player and he's a football player. Something like Kyler Murray, of course, not quite at that caliber yet. But I like guys who are able to, to have skills that translate from one place to another. One, it shows hard work and dedication. It also shows intangibles. And Trello's that kind of a guy. And for us to steal him from Tennessee, especially since we're going to be playing Tennessee, GBO, GBO, we all know. That <laughs> said, GBDO. That said, Woodrow Trey Lowe, I like that we got him, and I like that we have that kind of quarterback. I always prefer dual-threat quarterback in college, personally. Will is not somebody that people classify as a dual-threat, but he can get out and move. We all remember the hurdle against Virginia Tech. And Trey Lowe has those kinds of skills. The the disadvantage he has is being a freshman and learning the offense, learning where the ball's supposed to go and when, learning what to call, when to call, how to call. Jack Allison has the advantage that way, and Jack Allison has the advantage as far as physical prototype is concerned. Um, but I think we're in good hands either way. I really do. I prefer Allison from the experience standpoint. I want a guy who can just plug and play. Uh, but I like that Trey Lowe offers you a different look. You remember what happened to us last year when we played Baylor. Their quarterback gets pulled. The backup comes in. Suddenly our defense is not ready. It's not prepared to play a guy who's running all the time, right? It's true. It's true. And I think that that's the kind of situation that defenses could find themselves in if, for whatever reason, whatever terrible reason, Trey Lowe came in instead of Will Greer or Jack Allison. Yep. So uh, what we're trying to say is whether you have number seven, which we all know about number seven, or you have number 17, Jack Allison, or number 10, Trey Lowe, these we feel like we're very solid in the quarterback area, even if even if Will, Willie G goes down, Mount Greer goes down. Yeah. Before we transition to the receivers, I'm gonna just get swelled a little bit with the walk the dog. I love it. I'm walking the dog too, my friend. That's what I'm doing right now. Are oh, you? Yeah, that's the one I pick, man. Yeah, walk the dog. Got so many different flavors. Rose is actually my favorite, but I love walk the dog. I love the other thing. Mm-hmm. I love is I'm trying to get. I'm trying to get right. Okay, I'm trying to get right. So this one gram of sugar, it, that's really. You know, I need that hey. in my life. I need that in my life. Trying to get that D five G grind on. What we also need in our high high octane offense 
our receivers. Uh, do we have them? Uh, yes, please. Yeah. Now we're going to start off with, with obviously the biggest names. The, the guy who was in the Blitnikoff Award, number oh. 13, David Sills. Number 13. That I feel like that's a number you should already know. Selitnikoff. Yeah, Selitnikoff. Dude had 18 touchdowns last year and was sitting at the ceremony for the Blitnikoff Award. Um, Robbed once again, just like Stedman Bailey. Absolutely. But this dude can ball. And, but we have a whole receiving core that I feel like is uh, more than capable. Um, one of the problems were with last year um, was depth, which we'll get into. Yes. Who we have at depth. But right now we're just going to talk about the starters. Uh, uh, David Sills is starting at the X receiver, which is a left wide out receiver. And uh, I'm going to let you talk about that. I got to fix my setting. <laughs> no, it's all good. So, you know, there are different positions. They do different things. But David Sills is going to be on that outside position. For the quarterback as far as a go-to receiver. And we already know that he's got a connection with Will. Not just athletically, but mentally. They connect. David Sills, having played that quarterback position, understands what Will's looking at, what he's looking for. And Will understands what Dave is looking for because they have that bond, that connection as far as a friendship is concerned. We saw it last year with the 18 touchdowns. Sills is not necessarily the most athletic receiver on our team, but he's the guy who gets it done. And he's very shorthanded when it really, really matters. Was he perfect last year? No. Our receivers did have issues dropping the ball in critical situations. This year, I believe that will be rectified. And Selitnikov is one of those guys who's going to be leading that charge. He's- now, one of the thing. My bad. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Now, now one of the things is Selitnikov balled out. And uh, in Drake, one of Drake's songs, he says, I'm the only one to get the job done. Don't know another person who could cover for me. David Sills went to, was a Blitnikoff Award finalist. He could feel like that, but the only problem is this, on this team he can't because we're filled with so much talent. The next guy we're going to talk about is number 12, Gary Jennings, who actually led West Virginia in receptions and yards. Yeah. He had 97 uh, uh, catches, and that is just top West Virginia. Quietly, he led the Big 12 in receptions. He did. He had he had 1,096 yards. Maybe he didn't. He, well, he only had one touchdown compared to David Sills' 18. But this dude, for every sense of the word, was, was Will's go-to outside the red zone. And yeah. that's what we have coming back. Yeah, especially on conversions. If you look at him, I mean, the guy, I think he bench presses 400 pounds. Beast. I mean, so explain to me how you're going to press that dude as a defensive back, yeah. right? I mean, he's ripped to shreds. Not only is he ripped to shreds, he's very, very intelligent. So he, again, understands the offense. He understands where he's supposed to be, when he's supposed to be there, how he's going to get there. That big all, receiver. Yep. Big, he's a big guy. He's a shorthanded guy, and he's hungry because he only had one touchdown last year. So, again, there's room for improvement. And he, as David Sills is, is on that Belitnikoff watch list. So the nation has taken notice of who and what Gary Jennings is. G-Man, representing for that old golden blue we can have confidence just in those two by themselves, but they're not alone. We've got more. Who's that so third got, receiver, Jay? So we got 12 and 13, 12, Gary Jennings, 13, David Sills. But we lost to K-Ron last year. We know what K-Ron did, that fighty, that grit, that grind. And yet Spav talks about this next guy. He says he's going to be a great replacement for K-Ron. Who are we talking about? Number one. Will you see number one run on the field? He's that boy from Alabama. He transferred. He's now up here in Dove v. T.J. Simmons. T.J. Simmons, if he was a defensive player, we'd be saying nothing, but he's a dog. T.J. Simmons is athletically gifted. 
Not only is he athletically gifted, but he carries himself as a true professional. That's one of the things the coaches rave about. He understands how to move, how to carry himself, how to conduct himself. He understands how to be a professional, even though he's still playing as an amateur in the collegiate game. And he's got the tools, the skills, to continue what Karan did last year in that position where he had over 1,000 yards receiving. We're in great hands with T.J. Simmons. And it's interesting Marcus Sims was the starter last year. He was a third receiver last year, and he balled. Marcus Sims balled. I mean, he wasn't perfect. Of course, he missed his first game. He had some issues off the field initially, but then he got it together, and he showed the nation what he could do. And with that top-end speed, it's really surprising to me that Simmons is good enough to supplant him. That should tell you how good Simmons is. Yeah, no, no. And you, you listen to people, they're raving about him. Um, especially his physicality, his way to go up and get the ball. And that's what we need. We need that too. I mean, now that K-Ron's gone, we need, we need that physical guy who's going to beat the press, who's just going to out-muscle you for them jump balls. And that's who TJ Simmons is. I love his 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 demeanor. I was going to say swag. I'm trying to get away from it. I love his demeanor and the way he looks on the field. More, more important than that, I love listening to the way the coaches and players talk about him. Yeah. Because a lot of times they'll keep it real. You can feel it when somebody's about to be it. And this dude – is about to be it. Number one. He's number one for a reason, okay? Don't get it twisted. Which is why I keep saying everyone talking about David Sills and Gary Jennings and these records are going to be broken by receivers, I don't see it. The reason I don't see it is not because these players aren't going to be better, not because these players aren't going to be great. It's because there's too much talent. And Will is going to spread the ball around. And I it's believe. a good thing. It's a good thing. It's a great thing. thing. It's a great yep. thing. I mean, it's like anything. It's like if you invest in the stock market, you want to diversify. Like Wu-Tang Financial <laughs> says, diversify your bonds. Okay? Player. That's, <laughs> player. That's all we're going to say. Wu-Tang Financial, diversify your bonds. And that's what Will's going to be doing on the field. He'll be diversifying them bonds from 12 to 13 to 1 to 8 in Marcus Sims. Then, number 8. I was going to get that number 8, Marcus Sims. 35 receptions, 663 yards, five touchdowns, but continue on beefing. And he's also on the poor Paul Horning Award watch list, which Tavon Austin won in, in his last season with WVU. So Marcus Simmons got the skills to play the Bills. The dude's legit. He's real. TJ Simmons being the start over him does not mean he's not great. It just means we're going to use him in other ways. But that ball is going to get passed around. And eventually, not this week, but next week, we're going to talk about tight ends. And we've got tight ends also. On top of the fact that we got a running game, which we will get to also, I don't see the receivers breaking records like they did last year or getting close to breaking records like they did last year just because there's too much, there's too much depth, there's too much talent, which is what we love. That's part of why King Reggie's not here. That's why Reggie Robertson's gone. And and another thing, that's yeah, part ahead, of why it is. I mean, that's part of why it is. Yeah. And, and that's okay. Like, I get it. I get it. Um, but that said, this is the problem you want to have. You want to have the problem where you're trying to figure yep. out how can you keep everybody happy because we've got so much talent. Which because True. talent creates mismatches. When you have mismatches, you have the advantage. When you have the advantage, we can win football games. And that's and what it's we're competi- And it creates competition and you know, creates during competition. the summer. Yeah. Here's the thing. We talk about the big receivers. We talk about David Sells and TJ Simmons and Gary Jennings. I mean, these guys are big and physical. We talk about Marcus Sims who can spread the field, yeah. who take the top off the defense. He can do that. What about the in-between? What about the jitterbug? What about the uh, the uh, Darius Raynaud? What about the Jock Sanders? Who do we have down there? You know, little That's, slot bubble screens. Who you got? Well, Tevin Bush at number 14, which is interesting. Number 14. Let's emphasize that. Number 14. When you see number 14 out there, that's my boy Tevin. Just Tevin. 
you don't know what you're going to get out of Tevin either because he can play receiver, he can play running back, which is what he was originally recruited as. But they can put him there in that slot position. They can throw the ball to him out of the backfield. They can give him the ball. There's so many different things they can do with Tevin. The man is a spark plug. And he just put out a tweet, or it was on Instagram, that now is his time. He believes in himself. The dude walks like a ball player. He believes that he's got what it need, what it takes to be the next great Mountaineer, and we believe that too. The coaches seem to believe in what he has to offer. So what we want to do is see, when the time comes, him deliver on those promises. I feel like Swiss Beats is saying, it's your time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. It's his time. and that, But the thing is, it's everybody's time. It's, every, it's, it's everybody's time. That's the hard part. I just don't see how you get the ball to everybody. There's only one football. There's only so many possessions. I And I love this problem because it means you're going to have fresh legs too. That's another thing. We struggled last year, especially late in games. You saw it in the Baylor game. You saw it in other games where our receivers got tired because they ran so much. Virginia Tech was a terrible game where players were cramping. They couldn't finish because there weren't enough guys. Will was waving off players coming in because he only had three guys he really trusted. This year it's not the same. He's got more people that he has faith in and that he can distribute the ball to, and that's what we're looking for when it comes so, to West Virginia So offense. if you're – if you're hearing or smelling and can tell that we are drinking the Kool-Aid, oh. don't get it twisted. Oh. We are drinking the Kool-Aid. We're not just hyping this up. We are definitely drinking the Kool-Aid. We'll what? get to our, 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 our season predictions later on. But, uh, yes, you're hearing what you think you're hearing. Yeah, 100%. Like, I, I, and the thing is, I didn't initially drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> I didn't. I was trying not to, okay? It's like, it's like a dude who's on a every diet. Every year around this time. Yeah, but every year they get me and they got me. But it's not just hype. It's not just my own feelings, not being a homer. When I read the articles that Phil Steele writes, when I listen to what Joe Klatt says, Joel Klatt says, when I listen to Jed Drenning, when I, when, I, when I read the articles that are coming from ESPN and from, from college football uh, accounts all over Twitter and, and the internet in general, everyone sees what we are talking about. And we saw a glimpse of it last year. This is real. It's not fool's gold. It's real. Will we reach our potential? That's the issue. Will we maximize our efficiency? That's the issue. But talent, ability, that's not that's not in question at all. Nobody's questioning that. That's what I love. Will Greer said that he's in, we're holding ourselves to a high standard because we know how good we can be. And that's what that's my thing. I want to see. I want to see the hunger. I want to see how hungry these guys are once they get on the field. It sounds like they're hungry. The coaches sound like that's what they're seeing. People who are reporting sound like that's what they're seeing. I want to see the hunger once they get on the field, and I think that's what we're going to see. The other thing is, um, like I said, we, we talk about every year how everybody says next man up, next man up, next man up. One of our problems last year was with depth. So who do we have coming in as backups at receiver? I'm going to throw out some numbers, some names, Brandon, if you feel the feel, you know, you, you can hop in there. Uh, one of the big ones is number 82. Dominic Maiden. Maiden I, I Cali. Throw, I could throw I could throw him that senior. That's right. California boy. Um, we also have freshmen. Like we see highlights of these freshmen and we think we can't wait to see them on the field. Well, if you see number 89. If that is your boy Dylan Spalding, the guy from uh the guy from Virginia. Uh, Virginia. Everybody was excited to see him sign with us. He can go up and get it. So if he's not red shirt and he makes it on the field, he is number 89. Number 83, another freshman, Bryce Wheaton. We know we're high on this class. We know we're high on these receivers. You see number 83 come through? That's the dude, Bryce Wheaton, that you've been reading about. Also, 
Um, this one I'm I'm super excited about. I don't know if we're gonna see him on the field because we're so uh, deep uh, as in starters. But number eighty five, Sam James. That's right. That's, Sam that's James. who I've been. That's who I've been excited about. Just just the stuff I've read and the stuff I've seen. That's right. If you see number eighty five, we're not talking about Ivan McCartney. We ain't talking about six. We talk about Sam James. You see him run on the field. Somebody goes down. Somebody gets injured. They need a spark. You see number eighty five run on Sam James. Also, we don't want to forget about about the West Virginia born boy Drew Bowen. Yeah, he's number nineteen. The only person I can think of that that was ever number nineteen, and maybe not even West Virginia, but I uh, I think about uh, actually it was Vaughn? No, Vaughn Rivers was six. Um, no, Vaughn Rivers went six. Was he? No, no, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. He was nineteen, wasn't he? I think so. I think so too. Tell way. us if we're wrong, okay? Get on Twitter. Tell us if we're wrong, okay? <laughs> we know you're going to, so just do it. <laughs> That's on me. Either way, Drew Bowen, number nineteen, West Virginia born. You see number nineteen run in, you you throw up your three hundred fours. That's the point. Yeah, Drew Bowen. And last but not least, the guy I'm going to mention is the senior. We've dubbed him Crest Virginia. We've all heard about him. We know him. Will we've Crest. Ta- we've been talking about him for fifteen years. Feels like he's been here forever. <laughs> he really has. Oh my! From, quarter, really feels from quarterback to receiver, William Crest. If anybody knows his offense, William Crest should know it better than he should know it better than Spav. Okay, let's be honest. <laughs> and I mean, he really should. He should. And, he, and he's a senior, so I say it's your time. Um, it better be your time. <laughs> that dude's got gigantic <laughs> hands. He, I can't imagine he'll ever drop a pass. By the way, number sixteen, number sixteen, Crest Virginia, Will Crest. So there you have it, the receiving core um, that doesn't include the tight ends. A lot of numbers, you know, listen to this, get up on it, because when you see the people run in, you don't have to scramble for your program. We're ready for them. The quarterbacks, the receivers, we're going to know who they are, so when they score a touchdown, we can hail West Virginia, you know, as as the band is playing, as the band stays rocking to them horns. Hail West Virginia. That's what I can't wait to hear, man. But that's it. Ready for that raspy voice. Sports Social Podcast Network.